Blog Talk Radio. From the far reaches of the known universe, we are proud to present Brother Harold Muhammad, soldier, scientist, scholar. Blog Talk Radio's finest. Not so mad science. On Black Hole Radio. took Motown to L.A. does not mean Detroit has lost its soul. I have a very interesting show tonight. I know I was not on the air last week. I was in the midst of some travel and I could not get back in time to do the show. But I promise you, I will make up for it tonight. Tonight's show Well, not be as I stated two weeks ago, I wanted to get into some of the aspects of the monkeypox. But there are some conditions and situations with COVID that do need to be addressed. And I thought it pertinent that I share with you. The CDC says we need no longer allow COVID to disrupt our daily lives. Well, guess what? As they have before and they are now, that is a lie. And I'm not going to say they stated some untruths or they misrepresented facts. I'm just going to call it what it is. They have blatantly lied. Dr. Madhava Sethi, last name is spelled S-E-T-T-Y, medical doctor, he recently wrote an article in The Defender where he states that the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, in issuing a press release last week, said that the agency has streamlined its COVID-19 guidance so that the public can better protect itself. What I found of note is that the CDC did not mention any different recommendations for the unvaccinated individuals than for those who got the jab. My question is, why not? To quote Dr. Greta Massetti, a Ph.D., and a master of pharmaceutical medicine at the CDC, she says, and I quote, we're in a stronger place today as a nation with more tools like vaccination, boosters, and treatment to protect ourselves and our communities from severe illnesses from COVID-19. She stated this in an informational release in the Morbidity and Mortality Weekly Report. 
according to Dr. Musetti, she says again, we also have a better understanding of how to protect people from being exposed to the virus, like wearing high-quality masks, testing, and improved ventilation. This guidance acknowledges that the pandemic is not over, but also helps us move to a point where COVID-19 no longer severely disrupts our daily lives. Now, Dr. Seti disagrees, and I'm inclined to agree with him. He states that, hold on a moment. What new tools, which is my question, what new tools is she talking about? We've had vaccines now for 20 months, boosters for over a year, and treatments from very early on. Now, if we consider that those consider those that the CDC never acknowledged, were the CDC against high quality masks before? Were the CDC against testing and improved ventilation prior to their bulletin? What exactly has changed? Are daily cases of COVID plummeting? These are viable and reasonable questions. And the answer to those questions, dear friends and family, listeners, is no. There aren't much differences. There's nothing different than they were in the fall of 2021. And they are significantly higher than the, than the summer lows over the last two years. All of the strategic data available, and I wish I had sometimes that this was a visual program where you could see the charts of information that are provided from the CDC's own information basis that prove what they say in public to what they chart in private is not consistent. But more importantly, why does the CDC now regard the unvaccinated in the same way as those who got the jab? Let's look at the CDC's COVID-19 death rate in age groups from 18 to 80. There are too few deaths in people under the age of 18, according to their report. COVID-19 death rates are nearly the same in all age groups reported, whether or not a person is or is not vaccinated. The statistics have not varied more than a percentage point. It would be very hard for the CDC to have different guidelines based on the vaccination status if there were no benefit to getting vaccinated. Isn't this the real reason for the streamlined guidance that they say they're providing? 
And there's one last question I'd like to ask you, Dr. Greta. The, the data are three months old. How the vaccinated are faring in comparison to the unvaccinated now? Or won't this be necessary now that there are no longer any special impositions placed upon the unvaccinated? One thing is for sure, dear listeners, if this has become a pandemic of the vaccinated, we certainly don't want to see the data that proves it. This is not so mad science, and I'm your host, Brother Harold Muhammad, here on the Black Hole Radio Network. Before I go on, I want to just give you a couple of inter- interesting factoids. And if you laugh, I won't blame you. The CEO of Pfizer Pharmaceuticals, a man who has been received four quadruple vaccinations, has tested positive for COVID. Pfizer CEO Albert Borla announced this past Monday that he has tested positive for COVID despite receiving four doses of his company's vaccine. Mr. Borla shared the news in a Twitter post on Monday morning and in a statement on Pfizer's website, which I will quote. He says, I would like to let you know that I have tested positive for COVID-19. I am thankful to have received four doses of the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine and I am feeling well while experiencing very mild symptoms. I am isolating and have started a course of Paxlovid. Brothers and sisters, it would seem to me that the vaccine is inconsequential in this mix, and it's the Paxlovid that is giving him relief and removing the sickness from his body. Another interesting factoid. Nurses who left the healthcare system to focus on early treatment describe what they call brutal COVID treatment protocols, according to the Epic Times. Nurses who witnessed brutal hospital COVID-19 treatment protocols kill patients paint a bleak picture of what is taking place in the state and federally funded healthcare system. To quote Stacy Kay, who is a nurse practitioner with the North Carolina Physicians for Freedom, she says, they're horrific and they're all in lockstep. Nurse Kay left the hospital system to start her own early treatment private tax practice. She shared this information with the Epic Times. She says again, and I quote, they will not consider protocols outside of what is given to them by the Center for Disease Control and Prevention. 
and the National Institute of Health, headed up by Dr. Anthony Fauci. And nobody is asking why. Fueled by cognitive dissonance, amid an array of red flags, Nurse Kate said hospital staff is ignoring blatantly problematic treatments that performed poorly in clinical trials such as rendezvous and protocols such as keeping the patient isolated just to adhere to federal canons. As a former nurse in intensive care, Nurse Kay said she had seen her share of tragedy. But now she saw COVID patients being treated, and she says, and I quote, it had her waking up in the middle of the night in cold sweat with chest pain. Another interesting factoid. In the United Kingdom, the UK become the first country to approve updated Moderna vaccine targeting Omicron, according to The Hill. The Hill reported the United Kingdom on Monday became the first country to approve an updated COVID-19 vaccine from Moderna, targeting the Omicron variant and the original strain of the virus. We must remember now, there are four, possibly five strains out there. So if you're being vaccinated against two, you are still victim to the other three. Right here in the U.S., the United States is also working on updated vaccines for a possible fall booster program, though the shots might be slightly different. The vaccine approved by the U.K. targets the first version of the Omicron variant, known as BA1, while the U.S. Food and Drug Administration has instructed vaccine makers to target the more recent subvariants of Omicron known as BA4 and BA5. The UK regulators on Monday said the updated Moderna vaccine was shown to provide a strong immune response. But what response is the immune system responding to? Is the immune system responding to the intrusion of a synthetic chemical-based vaccine, or is it responding to the intrusion of the disease known as COVID-19? This strong immune response can be against the BA1 as well as BA4 and 5, but they do not know. Another interesting little factoid. Novavax Incorporated seeks U.S. authorization for a COVID vaccine booster. Novavax on Monday said it had filed for U.S. authorization for the use of its COVID-19 vaccine as a booster dose in people who had either received its shot or a different vaccine. The application to the U.S. Food and Drug Administration 
comes in the face of a slow rollout in the United States where Novavax vaccine was authorized in July of 2022. Despite expectations that it would convince vaccine skeptics to get inoculated. But inoculated, why? For a product that has not shown a proven, and here's a catch word, efficacy to give preventative measures against the variants of COVID-19. Just things for you to think about, brothers and sisters. Another interesting factoid. According to the Boston Globe, a 100-year-old tuberculosis vaccine may protect against COVID. The Boston Globe reported a small study from researchers at Massachusetts General Hospital suggested that a widely used 100-year-old vaccine for tuberculosis may offer protection from COVID-19. The findings were published in Cell Reports Medicine magazine on Monday and conducted on volunteers with type 1 diabetes found at the BCG Bacillus calmeturin vaccine was 92% effective versus a placebo in protecting against infection. Patients already had been enrolled in a study looking at the BCG and type 1 diabetes when COVID began circulating in early 2020. Researchers quickly established a parallel trial with the same patients to see how effective the BCG vaccine was in protecting against the new virus. What does all this tell you? They don't know, they never knew, and they're still guessing. COVID became known in December of 2019. It was present and in its infectious stages at a pandemic as early as August and September of 2019, but undiagnosed because they had no idea what they were dealing with. And now we have these synthetic chemical-based mRNA, falsely called vaccines, but is truly gene therapy being pumped into our body. They don't know, and they never knew. Another interesting factoid, MedPage a journal read by doctors around the country and the world, reported, can COVID cause hair loss? Shedding may be induced by COVID-related stress, but your hair will go back, according to what the experts say. We don't need to know that COVID, COVID stress will cause hair loss. We already know that a person who is overly stressed, male or female, will begin to lose their hair. 
and if the stress is induced over a protracted or a long period of time, free natural baldness, early baldness becomes the inset, and that hair won't grow back. Stress. However, according to MedPage today, clinicians are seeing an influx of patients who have an unsettling side effect after COVID. They're losing their hair. But is it the stress that's causing the hair loss or the failing of the immune system that you are now suffering hair loss? While there are still many unanswered questions with regard to this about COVID-related hair loss, some hair experts say the good news is that it appears to be temporary. And they are reassuring their patients that their hair will will likely grow back. Again, they don't know. But we already know in our community that extreme stress will cause early baldness. Another interesting factoid is reported in Politico, which is a Washington, D.C.-based periodical on politics. Politico reported that left to rot the lonely plight of long COVID sufferers. Thousands of people around the country and the world are what they call long COVID patients across the globe are urging their government to provide more help for the growing number of people facing the lingering symptoms after infection. At least 90 long COVID groups exist around the world in 34 different countries. Most are pushing for more research, improved clinical treatment, and increased access to disability benefits, while others offer support and advice. These growing efforts come As new research suggests, there are hundreds of millions of people likely suffering from long-term COVID effects. And as some experts have warned, of potentially severe long-term economic and public health impacts of a condition that is grossly poorly understood. Janelle Chantal Britt, who is the founder and president of Long COVID Switzerland, says, we are just left to rot. That's why all those governments are popping up. There is no official help anywhere. Not here in the U.S., not in Switzerland, France, Germany, England, Italy, or any of the major Western-type societies. Insider Magazine reported workers are forced to take time off because of COVID, 
they have lost $28 billion in wages nationally. Working through a pandemic took its toll on the American people. And a new study shows just how much of an economic hit the lowest paid workers bore. In fact, as workers dealt with unpaid absences from work for being sick or having to deal with child care and other personal obligations, it may have cost in total roughly $28 billion or more. Where is the stimulus to cover the loss or provide support to the American people? Where's the support? In some states, they're asking for people to return money that receive some type of pandemic financial assistance, saying they got the money wrongly because the way the form was filled out when these people are completely and totally out of work because they can't go to work because the job is shut down due to a pandemic that has run through the company. $28 billion. Fox News reported just recently, and if you can believe anything that Fox News says, that COVID sites in New York City transitioned to respond to the monkeypox virus. New York City will transition some of its COVID-19 vaccination sites for children under the age of five next week. Department of Health and Mental Hygiene cited in a a recent decrease in demand for the site as well as greater access to coronavirus vaccines. How can you have a greater need for access to coronavirus vaccines and a demand for fewer sites? It would stand to reason that if the demand for vaccines is higher, you need more sites, not less. However, Due to the ongoing monkeypox emergency amongst the amongst the predominant male homosexual community, the city of New York is transitioning some of these sites to administer monkeypox vaccines. Uh, there is no specific monkeypox vaccine that they know works as of yet. Again, it's experimental. We knew decades ago when the AIDS epidemic hit and it became necessary to begin vaccinating people for AIDS that they issued out medications without knowing whether or not they would work on the AIDS virus. We're doing the same thing again in that community once again. We don't know. But you're going to administer a vaccine that you're unsure of. 
But I do want you to know, monkeypox may be here to stay. It may already be too late to stop the monkeypox from circulating in the United States permanently. The Biden administration was caught off guard when the CDC confirmed confirmed monkeypox in a Massachusetts man back in May on the 18th. It was part of the first major outbreak outside parts of Africa where the virus is believed to have been an endemic, an unusual event that quickly spun into a global health crisis. U.S. public health officials tracked the early cases around the country that followed, but a series of setbacks in the administration's response, including clunky early testing protocols, slow vaccine distribution, a lack of federal funding to help the state and local government respond to the outbreak, and patchy communications within communities most affected by the virus has allowed the disease to gain a foothold among men who have sex with men, particularly those who have had multiple partners in a short period of time. This is not slander. This is not insult. And this is not to falsely give a false narrative of a particular group of people in a particular population. This is medical fact. Epidemiologists, public health officials, and doctors now fear the government cannot eliminate this disease in that community as it failed to do so with HIV. And they're warning that they are running out of time stop the virus from spreading in the U.S. population more broadly. So those of you who listen to my show, who know of persons or who may be a person who's in that community or someone who's on the down low with a wife and family, take heed, take steps. Take heed. Take steps. As we move on, The Guardian has reported smallpox vaccines may not protect against the monkeypox for life. This is the vaccine that they want to use. Smallpox vaccinations may not protect against monkeypox for life. Research suggests with experts saying HIV may play a role in eroding protection from the jab over time. Vaccination with a jab initially developed to protect against smallpox, a related but more serious disease, is among the measures being taken to control infection. However, while experts stress that it is important for those at risk of monkeypox to take up the offer of vaccination as it reduces the chance of sections and severe illness. 
the protection offered by smallpox jabs may decline over time. A study into monkeypox cases in Spain revealed that 32 of the 181 patients previously received a childhood vaccination against smallpox. Jimmy Whitworth, a professor of international public health at London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine, said that there's another possibility. He says that HIV may play a role. According to the study, 40% of the monkeypox cases were in people who were HIV positive. Dr. Oriel Mitchell, the co-author of the research, said the figure was 60% among those who had childhood smallpox vaccination, but still got monkeypox. people with HIV. In my clinical opinion, may have had some immunoinsufficiency or immunodeficiency eroding away the protection from the vaccine. This is compounded or I should say verified by Dr. Whitworth. There's more. So let's move on. Another interesting factoid from the Washington Post. Colleges warn students about monkeypox risk as the fall term approaches. One by one, painful cases of painful viral infection popped up this summer at George Washington University. Georgetown University, and American University, where there are distinct homosexual male populations. Now, these schools in the nation's capital and others across the country are warning their communities to be on guard against the potential spread of monkeypox in the coming weeks when students return to campus for the fall term. Bear in mind now, being heterosexual is no safety net for you if your partner is one who has been touched and exposed to monkeypox by another partner who never said one way or the other because, you know, I'm bisexual. I go both ways. It begins to spread. Public health campaigns centered on monkeypox come as colleges and universities are managing the third back-to-school season shadowed by the coronavirus pandemic. Students and educators are eager for normalcy after the disruption of the previous two years. However, there is no going back to the status quo of years prior. You can't do it. Don't do it. Use your head. 
Think about where you're going. Look at what you're doing and make a choice and a decision to remain on a path that guarantees your life and your education. It also says in the Washington Post that complicated efforts to combat a threat much different from COVID-19. Health authorities say monkeypox spreads through intimate contact, often skin-to-skin, including but not limited to sexual encounters. Authorities also warn of possible spread, spread through respiratory secretions or touching the bedding or towels used by someone who is infected. This is not so mad science. With your host, Brother Harold Muhammad here on the Black Hole Radio Network. We're going to take a very short break. We're going to hear the train hit the guy. going to break with a little bit of Aretha Franklin.
Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. This is Not So Mad Science with your host, Brother Harold Muhammad, here on the Black Hole Radio Network. We are now 11 minutes past the hour of 7, and we still got a lot more to go. Let's see now. Let's take a hit. Let's see what we can do. Okay. In an exclusive interview, by Dr. Michael Nevrakakis. Nevrakakis. Let me get this man's name. Is Nevrod Akis. Nevrod Nevrod Akis. N e v r a d a k a k i s. Ph.D. An exclusive interview with him. There is a whistleblower accuses the military of using Pfizer's Comirnaty vaccine, C-O-M-I-R-N-A-T-Y, a vaccine produced at the facility but not approved by the FDA. Specifically, there are two whistleblowers, a member of the U.S. Coast Guard and the wife of a 19-year veteran at Fort Detrick, Maryland, at the military base, alleged the military is using fully licensed Pfizer's Comirnaty vaccines manufactured at a facility in France that is not approved by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. A U.S. Coast Guard serviceman Lieutenant Chad R. Coppin in July or rather, in a July declaration submitted when Senator Ron Johnson, a Republican from Wisconsin, under penalty of perjury, detailed his personal investigation in the availability and the origin of the Carmenati labeled COVID-19 vaccine vials at U.S. military facilities. Lieutenant Coppins also relayed his concerns in an interview with the Defender, as did Holly Friantelli, the wife of a U.S. military service member stationed at Fort Detrick, Maryland. Now, let me tell you what's at Fort Detrick. That's where they do a lot of their uh, chemical weapons testing at Fort Detrick. Free and Selly told the defender, 
Comrade label vaccines are being administered at Fort Teetrick, and that her husband's retirement is currently in jeopardy if he does not accept vaccination with this FDA-approved vaccine. Until now, the Department of Defense has claimed the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID vaccine administered under an FDA-issued emergency use action is interchangeable with the fully licensed Pfizer's Comirnaty vaccine, which until recently was said to be unavailable at military facilities. The controversy surrounding the Pfizer EUA vaccine versus the FDA-approved Comirnaty vaccine has figured prominently in several lawsuits involving the Biden administration's vaccine mandates for military service members. That's partly because FDA regulations prohibit the mandatory administrations of EUA products, despite the Department of Defense claims that the Pfizer EUA vaccine can be mandated because it's interchangeable with the Comirnaty vaccine. In November 2021, a federal judge determined as part of a broader order involving a military vaccine mandate lawsuit that the Pfizer-BioNTech and the Pfizer-Carmenati vaccines are not interchangeable. Carmenati labeled vials at military facilities not produced at FDA-licensed facilities. In his July 30 declaration, Lieutenant Coppin, who has served with the United USCG, whatever that is, let's take a look. The USCG. What is the USCG? We got to know specifically what branch of the military the USCG is. But I, I want to be clear. That's the Coast Guard. Again, according to Lieutenant Coppin in his July 30 declaration, who served with the U.S. Coast Guard since March of 2002, reported that after a long period of unavailability, Comirnaty vaccine began to appear at U.S. military facilities in June. That included the Juneau, Alaska Coast Guard Medical Clinic where Lieutenant Coppin is stationed and where a shipment of 60 Comirnaty vial packages arrived in six six boxes of 10 vials that was delivered on June 10th. According to Lieutenant Coppin, prior to this date, only emergency use authorization shots had been available at the Juneau facility and other military installations. 
Hoffman said the sudden availability of the Carminati label vaccine vials raised suspicion. He says, and I quote, I found the delivery of the Carminati labeled vials interesting as they arrived unannounced to any service member and to date. The FDA-approved Carminati label vials had never been seen in the USA, he wrote in his declaration. This, along with a sense of duty, led Lieutenant Coppin to investigate the matter further and eventually came out as a whistleblower. Coppin stated, and I quote, As a commissioned officer in the United States Coast Guard, it is my responsibility to uphold the Coast Guard's core values of honor, respect, and devotion to duty. It is for this reason that I present information that brings into question the ability of the Department of Defense and the Department of Homeland Security to continue to push the lawful order of making servicemen partake in the injections of the Carminati-labeled COVID-19 shots that recently appeared at select military installations across the country. So, Kenny Coppin, I'm asking why, too. Why the change? What is the effect that you're looking for to study that's going to happen with these men? Medical staff at the Juno facility told Lieutenant Coppin that the Communati label vials were shipped there from U.S. Army installations at Fort Detrick, Maryland. In a subsequent call to the Maryland facility, Lieutenant Coppin alleged a U.S. Army civilian contractor told him the Carmenati gray cap vials were sent to Fort Detrick, Kalamazoo, Michigan's Pfizer plant. Upon inquiring for information about where the Carmenati label vials were manufactured, he was told he would have to call Pfizer at Kalamazoo, Michigan, for any additional information. In a July 7th phone call with a Pfizer customer service representative, Lieutenant Coppin said he was informed the Carmenati labeled vaccines with lot number FW1331 that were shipped to the Juno facility were manufactured in France. On January 28th, 2022, and had an expiration date of December 31st, 2022. However, he was provided no other specific information regarding what Pfizer location, city, or address in France the vaccine was produced in. The phone call between Coppin, Lieutenant Coppin, and Pfizer's customer service representative was recorded and made publicly available as part of a podcast hosted by Dr. Samuel Sigalov. 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 S-I-G-O-L-O-F-F. A doctor who granted medical exemptions to the military's COVID-19 vaccine mandate and who subsequently was ordered to discuss COVID-19 
ordered not to discuss. Hit, note this now. His superiors in the military said he was not ordered not to discuss COVID-19 or see any patients. According to Lieutenant Coppin, and I quote, the significance of the France manufacturing location is that it is not an authorized manufacturing location as per the FDA Conlinati BLA Supplement Approval Letter dated December 16, 2021, which granted approval for the vaccine to be manufactured at the Pfizer Manufacturing Belgium NV Perth Belgium facility. Lieutenant Coppin says this is significant because we are being told that our military medical clinic at select locations across the country have the FDA approved Comlinati and the Pfizer has stated on its recorded call that lot number FW1331 was manufactured in France, which makes this shot not an FDA approved version for distribution in the United States of America. According to the approved manufacturing location, declared in its BLA license. We all know from history, dear brothers and sisters, that the U.S. military had been known to experiment on its soldiers and officers without their knowledge and permission to see what effect certain drugs and chemicals will have over a protracted period of time in a controlled environment where people are pushed to follow orders and not ask questions. Mrs. Frensilli corroborated Lieutenant Coppin's claims that the Cormanetti labeled vaccine vials are appearing at military service facilities and that unvaccinated service members, service members are being pressured to get vaccinated with it. She said her husband's retirement after 19 years of service is now in jeopardy unless he receives the vaccine. Ms. Roselli told me, she told this to the offender, and I quote, my husband just had his administrative separation board after 19 years. They recommended separation, but they said they would hold it for 60 days if he wants if he wanted to get get the label Comanetti vaccine before that point. According to Ms. Franceli, military officials all provide, also provided her husband a list of duty stations that would have the Comanetti labeled vials. Quote, for our knowledge, they are actually administering the Comanetti labeled vials under the impression of receiving FDA-licensed products, Ms. Frincelli said, adding that previously the EUA Pfizer-BioNTech doses were being used. According to Ms. Frincelli, all EUA doses are still being administered along with the new one, despite previous Department of Defense claims. The DOD claims, alleged 
in lawsuits against the agency. That the interchangeable Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine would continue to be administered until doses of the Carmenetti vaccine became or becomes available. Ms. Rinsley confirmed the military's claims of interchangeability between the two vaccines. Quoting, service members who were given the EUA Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine were told that they were receiving a dose with the same formulation as the FDA-approved shot and that they were being used interchangeably. The records we have seen all say Pfizer-BioNTech. My question would be, does the military have something to hide? Neither the United States Coast Guard nor Pfizer had refuted Lieutenant Coppins' claims. To quote to date, Coast Guard Medical Clinic nor Pfizer have produced any documentation attesting to the manufacturing and location of the Carmenetti-labeled vials currently being offered to service members, he wrote in his declaration. In a subsequent communication with the defender, Lieutenant Coppin added, quote, this France information punches a hole in that fabricated argument being pitched to us by our commanding officers and medical staff. Lieutenant Coppin alleged the Department of Defense, federal government, and Pfizer appear to be concealing evidence that would, beyond any doubt, confirm this allegation. Lieutenant Coppin told the defender, and I quote, in order to be absolutely sure we need an insider at Pfizer to produce a printout showing the manufacturing locations truly is France of this Carmenetti lot FW1331 to back up my recorded phone call. I spoke to, health, to the Department of Health and Human Services, and one of the lead doctors responsible for the rollout of the EUA and the BLA COVID shots to America got ordered not to talk to me. I can't get my where was lot 1331 manufactured question answered in writing by either Health and Human Services, Pfizer, Department of Defense, the FDA, or the United States Coast Guard. Princelli expressed concerns over where the actions of the military and federal government may lead. She said, and I quote, so many, like my husband, have been lied to and coerced since last year. My husband's retirement is now hanging in the balance after 19 years of dedicated service. I myself have multiple autoimmune diseases and rely on my monthly biologic medications. We also know there's a possibility of shedding with the vaccine, and I worry about that as an immunocompromised individual. Lieutenant Coppin concluded his declaration by stating his hope that this information will generate an investigation to confirm the manufacturing location of the Comrade Lot FW1331 and other lot numbers being shipped to U.S. military installations. 
This is not so mad science, and I'm your host here on the Black Hole Radio Network. If you thought I was done, you'd be wrong. Once again, we're going to take another short break. And no, we won't have the man being hit by the train. But the lion will roar. To that end, let's take a listen and see what we can see. But I think it's time you all wake up before you end up in a box. Can't do it alone. 
As a boy, I shared a game with my father. Played it every morning till I was three. He would knock, knock on my door, and I'd pretend to be asleep till he got right next to the bed. Then I would get up and jump into his arms. Good morning, Papa. And my Papa, he would tell me that he loved me. We shared a game. Knock, knock. Until that day when the knock never came. And my mama takes me on a ride past cornfields on this never-ending highway till we reach a place of high, rusty gates. A confused little boy, I enter the building carried in my mama's arms. Knock, knock. We reach a room of windows and brown faces. Behind one of the windows sits my father. I jump out of my mama's arms and run joyously towards my papa's, only to be confronted by this window. I knock, knock, trying to break through the glass, trying to get to my father. I knock, knock as my mama pulls me away before my papa even says a word. And for years he has never said a word, and so 25 years later I'll write these words for the little boy in me who still awaits his papa's knock. Papa, come home because I miss you. Miss you waking me up in the morning and telling me you love me. Papa, come home because there's things I don't know, and I thought maybe you could teach me how to shave, how to dribble a ball, how to talk to a lady, how to walk like a man. Papa, come home because I decided a while back I want to be just like you, but I'm forgetting who you are. And 25 years later, a little boy cries, and so I write these words and try to heal and try to father myself, and I dream up a father who says the words my father did not, dear son. I'm sorry I never came home. For every lesson I failed to teach, hear these words. Shave in one direction with strong, deliberate strokes to avoid irritation. Dribble the page with the brilliance of your ballpoint pen. Walk like a god, and your goddess will come to you. No longer will I be there to knock on your door, so you must learn to knock for yourself. Knock, knock down doors of racism and poverty that I could not. Knock, knock on doors of opportunity for the lost brilliance of the black men who crowd these cells. Knock, knock with diligence for the sake of your children. Knock, knock for me, for as long as you are free, these prison gates cannot contain my spirit. The best of me still lives in you. Knock, knock with the knowledge that you are my son, but you are not my choices. Yes, we are our father's sons and daughters, but we are not their choices. For despite their absences, we are still here, still alive, still breathing, with the power to change this world. One little boy and girl at a time. Knock, knock. Who's there? We are. Yes, we are here. But what are we going to do with the time here that we have? Will we continue to allow ourselves to be led around by the nose and fear the loss of jobs, the loss of money, the loss of friendships, or the loss of family? This fear for the loss of life. The man or woman who is not willing to sacrifice their life to have life have no life to live. If you're not willing to die, then you have no right to live because you cannot fight for what you believe in because of your fear. Recently, Another article was penned by Dr. Michael Nevrodis. Nevrodakis. I will one day get this man's name right. And I pray he forgives me if he ever hears me pronounce his last name. 
recently he had a conversation with three people that were injured by COVID vaccines who described the physical and emotional pain they experienced as a result. Catherine Cat Parker, who in on April 2021 was injured by Johnson and Johnson's COVID vaccine. She says, and I quote, my heart was breaking to watch so many people suffering just to get information and help. And I could not stand by and continue watching them go through this. She was a nurse. She couldn't do it anymore. Wanting to help others endure similar experiences the Minnesotian, whose story the defender featured earlier this week, founded the Vaccine Injury Side Effect Support Group. Within two weeks, the group attracted 200 members from all over the world with stories that are heartbreaking, but also inspire human resiliency to keep going through this pain and suffering. The defendant interviewed three members of this group. Here are their stories. Donna Zook Adley. She says, and I quote, I feel like a voodoo doll where someone keeps taking turns stabbing me in my different body systems. Ms. Adley, 64, is a nurse from Connecticut, is co-administrator of the Vaccine Injury Side Effects Group. Ms. Adley holds degrees in criminal justice and legal studies and has a 33-year career in nursing. She said she was reluctant to get the COVID vaccine from the get-go, in part because she had two previous reactions to vaccines, one of which was a tetanus shot, which left her with a permanent partial disability. She was diagnosed with fibromyalgia after the tetanus shot. She said, I dragged my heels for nine months because I did not want to get the vaccine, Ms. Adley told the defendant. She said, and I quote again, I had restricted my lifestyle and did all the protocols to avoid COVID, she said. I had been working on a COVID floor with up to 32 COVID patients and never got COVID. But after Connecticut Connecticut Governor Ned Lamont in August of 2021 mandated all workers in a broadly defined list of medical and long-term care facilities get vaccinated, Ms. Adley said she gave in and got her first dose a 
of the Moderna COVID-19 vaccine on August 11th of 2021 and her second dose on September 17th of 2021. She developed reactions soon after receiving both doses of the vaccine. To quote her, she says, after the first Moderna dose, I had severe lower back pain that felt like shattered glass. I did not realize at the time that many have this symptom after the after the vaccine. On September 17, eight out eight hours after my second Moderna dose, I began to get the initial symptoms that I had expected: fever, muscle ache. But I felt very strange and weak, as if I had a mono relapse which I hadn't had in over a decade. According to Ms. Adley, her symptoms worsened. Suddenly, I began to have lapses in memory, first slightly, then it got worse. I realized that I couldn't see small print. I, I had many reading glasses, and I've tried five or six pairs before I realized I had blurred vision. This blurred vision was constant for four months, both near and far vision. And far vision is blurry intermittently now, nine months later. I began to feel confused and texted my granddaughter that I feel like I have a brain disconnect. I lost my ability to think right, comprehend, and follow directions. When work was complaining how to have my doctor fill out my FMLA, the Family Medical Leave paperwork, I was having a hard time following directions. The injuries that Nurse Adley sustained and the conditions she continues to experience include damage to her brain, her heart, gastrointestinal tract, and her vision. Nurse Adley described the symptoms as progressive and interchangeable, coming and going for a few hours at a time before reappearing again or new symptoms appearing. She likened the experience to feeling like a voodoo doll where someone keeps taking turns stabbing me in my different body parts and a pinball machine in slow motion. Nurse Adley kept a notebook of her symptoms and injuries and categorized them broadly. And I will read them as follows. Brain and cognitive. The most terrifying injuries she experienced were a loss of executive function and cognitive function and a diagnosis of autoimmune response from COVID-19 vaccine from her doctor who said her symptoms matched those of autoimmune encephalitis. She also described blurred vision and confusion, forgetfulness, some loss of short and long-term memory, confusion, disorientation, and inability to follow instructions or find solutions. 
from loss of reasoning and judgment skills, slurred speech, and difficulties with spoken and written language. Sudden anger issues and paranoia, a skewed sense of taste or loss of taste, partial loss of hearing, and difficulty performing normal activities such as walking up and down stairs. Nurse Adley recalled telling her nurse's aide she felt like her brain got dumbed down, like I dropped 50 IQ points and added, I finally coined the term, I have a loss of thought process algorithms. As a catch-all for the collection of brain function and cognitive symptoms she was experiencing. Many of these symptoms, such as taste or hearing loss, still come and go, she added. She has a two-second memory. If I don't write it down, I will forget. The next item she categorized was her heart. Ms. Adley described severe edema in her feet and ankles, saying that as a nurse, she is aware this could be a sign of congestive heart failure. She's also described symptoms of postural orthostatic tracheocardia syndrome, or POTS, which only recently subsided, including feeling like her heart was being pumped up like a balloon. Nurse Adley also described alternating low and high blood pressure, fainting episodes, and heart palpitations. She categorized her gastrointestinal symptoms. Diarrhea, vomiting, and dry heaves for months, and quick alternations between feeling hungry and not hungry and an overall loss of desire to eat anything that I used to have cravings for. She said it was like my food was staying in my stomach and not going anywhere. Lung symptoms, episodes of coughing for hours with clear phlegm, and then coughing would suddenly disappear. Her muscle symptoms were described as burning, boiling pain terrible muscle spasms that would travel through her body in a quick wave. Her muscle spasms, while now less severe, still continues when she lies down. Skin symptoms from peeling skin at the tip of her fingertips and spontaneous bruising all over her body. Adley also experienced intermittent sudden weakness in her ankles and knees intermittent swollen lymph nodes and tinnitus that also was initially intermittent but appears to be permanent in both ears. Together, these symptoms affected everything. She was terminated from her job of 10 years because she took too long to return from family leave due to her vaccine injuries. She also experienced an Epstein-Barr relapse and continue to experience saving episodes. For those of you who do not know what Epstein-Barr is, I'm going to tell you now. Epstein-Barr virus is a common 
and highly contagious infection. It spreads through body fluids, especially saliva, your spit. Some cases of the virus lead to mononucleosis, and in rare cases lead to cancer. Are we on the same page? Let's continue. And I lost my place. With that being said, as we're closing, coming to the close of this edition of Not So Mad Science. I will pick up next week with the remaining two people. But I need you all to take heed to the theme of tonight's program. The CDC says COVID need no longer disrupt our daily lives. You don't need to guess. They lie. COVID has not gone away simply because you don't see it in the news every day. Guess what? The coronavirus is still alive. Monkeypox is here to stay. For those of you who thought Ebola was gone, Ebola is still here, still infecting and killing people. But most of us don't do that kind of reading in research. That is where I stand to fill the void. That is my mission, commission in life, is to be the witness to those things that you don't look for that I do. And I will share it here with you every Tuesday from 6 to 8, 6.30 to 8 p.m. And in some cases, 6.30 to 10 p.m depending on how I feel detrimental the flow needs to go. This is Not-So-Mad Science with your host, Professor Harold Muhammad here on the Black Hole Radio Network. And I leave you in the words, once again, of that great black Baptist preacher from the Abyssinian Baptist Church in New York City, the greatest black politician to have ever lived, the late, Clayton Powell Jr. I'll say this first. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. In the name of Allah, the beneficent, the merciful. Keep the faith, baby. Keep the faith. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.